And um, like Father Matt said, I did Catholic campus ministry for nine years. So that was actually how I started my career. I worked in two different um, Catholic universities living in residence with students. So I lived more of my life in a residence hall than I lived outside of <laughs> my adult life. So, um, so that was kind of how I started my career. When we moved to Flagstaff, I um, really wanted to get into um, mental health. I was finishing up my degree, um, mostly because um, in working in campus ministry, I saw that there was such an integral connection between my body spirit. And there's all kinds of research out there, all kinds of psychology research that says that that's true. So at that time, I was focusing on the spiritual self of people, but then I would always see emotions coming out, right? Because we're human beings and we all have emotions. And so I, um, I feel like almost every interaction I had as a campus ministry, as a campus minister, I saw a connection to mental health, not necessarily mental illness, but mental health, right? Our emotional selves. Um, and so now, one of the most um, exciting things that I do that I get excited about is doing holistic work with students. So really focusing on how our minds, bodies, and spirits are connected together. So, and, and you know, you can probably tell this in your own life, right? When you are stressed out and you're feeling badly, what tends to happen physically, eventually? You get sick. Yeah. Absolutely, you get a cold, your immune system goes down, right? And then what happens with our spiritual selves? Maybe we're not connected as much. Maybe if you're someone who prays, that's not happening as much, right? Because we're not taking care of ourselves holistically. So I really believe in focusing on that. So, um, and I'm really excited that you all are here tonight. You all could do amazing things on a Thursday night. Um, we'll play in the snow when I left work. There was a huge snowball fight outside of the house. But you've chosen to be here and to better yourselves um, and to learn how to support someone else, which I think is really important. So, um, my agenda tonight is to talk about um, mental health and why it's important. And um, I want to start out by saying mental health can be affected by a lot of different things, right? Life experience. So you all have 18 to 20 some, maybe more, um, years of life experiences. Some of them good, some of them bad, some of them ordinary, some of them extraordinary. Um, and so that affects us, right? And that affects how our emotional selves are. We also have genetic factors, right? Maybe you have family members who have suffered from depression, bipolar, any kind of mental illness. Those genes get passed down to us. So when we've had a family member, it doesn't even have to be a direct family member who has suffered from some sort of mental illness. We are more prone to um, having that affect us as well. Um, so yeah. Um, so we're going to talk about, I want this to be interactive. If at any time you have any questions, please just shout it out. Put your hand, just shout it out. Because I want this to be as helpful as it can for you. Um, also, you know, this is, can be challenging. Um, statistics show that one in four people suffer from <coughs> mental illness. So if you are affected, if you have someone else that's affected, if anything I say is triggering to you, just step out. Make sure you take care of yourself because that's one of the best things that you can do for your mental health. So if you need to step out, that's totally fine. Um, so I wanted to start off by talking about crisis. So everybody has experienced some sort of crisis in their life, right? Maybe it's a big crisis, maybe it's a small crisis. Maybe it was a death in the family, maybe it was the death of a pet, maybe it was um, getting a bad grade and having to repeat a class, whatever it may be. Uh, maybe it was your own mental health 
um, taking over, so whatever that may be. So if you feel comfortable, close your eyes. And I want you to think for a minute about the thoughts that were going through your head when you were experiencing this crisis. So what were, your, what were you thinking about? And then I want you to take a minute to think about your feelings. What were your emotions? What were the emotions that were linked to this crisis? Then think about how you were acting. What were your behaviors, both toward yourself and toward others? And then think about maybe somebody that you reached out to and talked to about this crisis. What did they say that was helpful? And then think about things that maybe someone said that were really not helpful at all. Unhelpful responses. So when you're done, you can open your eyes. And I want to hear from you. So you don't have to say what the crisis is. Don't say what the crisis is. But we're just going to talk about going through these things and say, what were you thinking? What were people thinking when they were in a moment of crisis in their life? Abandonment. Okay, you're, I'm feeling abandoned. Yeah. It shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Hopelessness. Yep. Getting to feelings, but yes, hopelessness. I'm feeling hopeless. What else? It isn't fair. It isn't fair. Why is this happening to me? Sorry, I heard something. Disappointed. Disappointed. Yeah. Yeah, so we have all these thoughts, right? And a lot of them have are linked to our emotions. So what were other emotions that people felt they were experiencing? Stress. Stressed, yeah. Fear. Fear, absolutely. Frustration. Frustration. Stuck. Stuck. Hmm. Loneliness. Shame. Shame. Hmm. Terror. <coughs> Sadness, maybe? Anger? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So how did you act? How were you acting? Either toward yourself or toward others. Hyperventilating. Hyperventilating? Okay. Having difficulty breathing? Absolutely. Yeah. Needy. Needy. Mm-hmm. Withdrawing. Withdrawing. Yeah, not wanting to be around other people. Maybe isolating. <coughs> Sleeping. Yep. Right? You don't want to feel those uncomfortable emotions, so you start sleeping. I know when I am going through a tough time, I get snippy. Very snippy. Why does it break me? Mostly with my family, but sometimes with other people too. Anything else? We talked about hopelessness, lonely. Yeah. Hostility. Hostility. Mm-hmm. 
unhelpful things that people said to you. This is normal. What you're feeling is normal. Mm -hmm. Yep. You're not alone. You're not alone. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to ask for help. Breathe. Breathe. <laughs> yeah. No, because it's helpful for, and it's true, because what's helpful for one person may not be helpful for another person. Yeah. What else? Suck it up. Suck it up. You're overreacting. Oh my gosh. You're overreacting. <laughs> it is your fault. It is your fault. Ouch. Mm-hmm. 
Yep, sometimes you want to help someone more than they want to help themselves. Being a good listener. Being a good listener, sometimes that can be really challenging, right? Especially because we have all, we all have our own stuff going on, right? Your students, maybe work, your family members. So there's a lot going on in all of our lives. So sometimes that can be really challenging. Not being able to really understand who. Yeah, not being able to relate or understand can feel frustrating because someone's being vulnerable to us, right? They're telling me all this personal stuff about you and really understand that because I've never experienced it. What works for you doesn't work for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we all have our own coping skills. So what works for me does not in any way work for my husband. What works for me doesn't work for other people in my office. What works for you is it going to work for you is it going to work for you, right? Because we're individuals. But sometimes that's what we want to say, right? Well, this is what would help me. So let me share that. So I'll tell you the forms of distress that we're seeing at Counseling Services right now. So every year, um, this is from last year, we poll all of NAU students. And we usually get about um, 6,500 responses. And so last year, the top 10 things that NAU students said they were experienced, number one, stress. Number two, anxiety. Number three, depression. Number four, self-esteem and self-confidence. Number five, relationships. Number six, mood instability, so fluctuating moods. So maybe happy, then angry, then sad. Seven, academics. Um, eight, isolation, I think someone said. Nine, career, right? Figuring out what we want to do for the rest of our lives. And number 10 is finances, right? It is really expensive to be a college student. It is more expensive to be a college student in Flagstaff. So, yeah, so we see that a lot. So I'm going to talk a little bit about kind of typical versus atypical distress, or like good stress versus bad stress, right? Because stress doesn't isn't always a bad thing. So when I was getting married, I was super stressed out because I was like, oh my gosh, it's going to be the best day of my life. I want everything to go super well. Because if anybody watched like the bride shows or like say yes to the dress, right? <laughs> right? The brides are like super stressed out. But in a way, it's good stress, right? Or sometimes when you get stressed out before an exam or get really nervous before an exam, that can be good because it motivates you. It can motivate you um, to study. Like earlier today, I was like a little bit stressed about coming here because I was like, I want to do a good job. So, but that was good stress. Bad stress tends to be more the stress that um, maybe someone has died and that's really stressful. Or maybe something's not going well um, with a significant other, right? And you're going through a breakup and that can cause stress. So all of those things that come from kind of these really um, difficult situations that bring up all the uncomfortable emotions can tend to lead to bad stress. Um, and when we talk about typical distress, we all have distress, right? Anybody who tells you that they don't have distress is lying. So I'll give you that little tidbit right now. So if someone's like, oh, my life's perfect and everything's going great, they're lying. Everybody has distress. Right? Typical distress is when you can function, when you can go about your day, when you can kind of, you can cope, right? And you can do the things that you need to do. Maybe you're stressed out, but you're still going to class, getting up and showering in the morning, sleeping at night, eating food, 
going to social events, going to church, whatever your normal routine is. Atypical distress is when our behaviors are being affected by strong emotions, right? So maybe I'm oversleeping, or maybe I'm not sleeping at all. Maybe I'm overeating or not eating at all, right? I think sleep and appetite tend to be the two things that change the most when we're stressed. Um, maybe you're not showering, not going to class. So right, all these behaviors are starting to be affected um, by the stress. So that's what we kind of want to pay attention to. Um, so I think pretty common signs of someone in distress, so right, we sometimes people aren't going to tell us that they're in distress. Sometimes our friends don't want to burden us, right? People say that all the time to me. I feel like I want to tell my roommate, but I don't want to burden them. I want to tell my best friend from home, but she seems to be in a really good place and I don't want to bring her down. But we're intuitive people. And so I am willing to guess that almost everybody in this room has known when one of their close friends or family members is experiencing distress, right? What do you notice? What are behaviors that you notice? We talked a little bit about it because you were talking about yourself, right? You're gonna notice the same behaviors in others that you would notice in yourself. Change in sleep and appetite, like I said, number one thing to go. Isolation and withdrawal, a loss of motivation, right? I have two finals next week and I have no motivation to go to the library and study. I just can't do it, I can't concentrate. I don't wanna do it and when I try to do it, I can't concentrate. Irritability, which we talked about, feeling overwhelmed, and then anxiety or panic attacks. Anxiety is different than panic attacks. Does anyone know the difference? <coughs> People can come to me and say I had an anxiety attack, which means they're feeling a lot of intense anxiety. Panic attacks have physical symptoms that go along with them. So that's when hyperventilating starts, Pound is, or heart is pounding, um, maybe you're sweating, Maybe you can't see, like feeling out of body. Those are typical things that people talk about when they experience panic attacks. And what's interesting about panic attacks, it is the number one reason people go to the emergency room because they think they're dying. So, panic attacks are a real thing and it can be really scary when you see someone or you experience a panic attack. So I wanna say a couple of things about that. If you're ever experiencing a panic attack or someone else is experiencing a panic attack, it is really, really real to them because in that moment, that person thinks they are going to die, which is why they are going to the emergency room, right? Um, if you ever experience a panic attack, the worst thing you can do is to tell yourself not to panic. <laughs> <laughs> or to tell someone else, don't panic. Because what happens is someone starts panicking because they're panicking. So maybe they started panicking because they were triggered by something. But now they're in this panic state and maybe they're in public or maybe they don't want you to see what they're experiencing. And so they're like, oh my gosh, I'm panicking. So they panic and they panic and the panic grows and grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. So the best thing to do is to just say it's panic and it will pass. No one has ever died of a panic attack. It's panic and it'll pass. Um, so these are really all common signs and symptoms of anyone in distress, right? So what can you do about it? How can we keep ourselves from getting to this place of panic or really deep depression? It has to do a 
little thing called emotions, right? And if you've noticed throughout this whole talk, I have not called emotions good or bad. I've said some emotions are uncomfortable, and we tend to label our uncomfortable emotions as bad. Who in here has seen Inside Out? My favorite movie. <laughs> right, I'm a counselor, so <laughs> I love a movie about emotions. But what happens, and sorry, this is going to be spoiler alert if you haven't seen Inside Out. What happens is all the emotions, good and uncomfortable, right, joy and sadness, have to work together in order to help Riley, right? In order for her to get to a place where she's in less distress. And sometimes that's the same with us. So um, I really encourage you to not label your emotions. If you're feeling sad, you're feeling sad, it's uncomfortable. If you're feeling mad, you're feeling mad, maybe that's uncomfortable to you. If you're feeling disappointed, you're feeling disappointed, that's uncomfortable. But it's not bad, it's just a feeling that everybody experiences. Every single human being on this planet experiences those emotions, and I'll tell you another tidbit. They tell you they don't, they're lying, because we all feel them. So, um, what's the best thing you could do when you're feeling those uncomfortable emotions? Feel them, express them. But what do we do? We're like, sadness is a bad emotion, and so I'm going to not feel it. I'm gonna push it away. I'm really sad about this breakup that I had with my boyfriend, and I'm not gonna think about it, I'm just gonna push it away. So what happens? It grows. And that, so often, is where depression and anxiety especially come from. Because we're pushing all this sadness away, and it's growing. We're not giving it the attention that it needs. Um, a couple weeks ago, my family went on vacation, and we were on the beach. Can't believe it. Two weeks, I was on the beach. Um, but I was watching my five-year-old, and he was we were Cabo, and there were waves. And um, he every time a wave would come, he'd get scared, right? And so he'd stiffen up. <coughs> and what would happen? The wave would knock him over, and he'd get salt water in his eyes and mouth, and he was starting to cry, like, "Oh, I hate the beach." Um, because he kept getting knocked over by the waves. He eventually figured out, his dad helped him figure out that if you go into the wave and you let the wave, if you ride with the wave like a surfer, right? You're one with it and it doesn't knock you over. That's how I like to think about emotions. If you stiffen up against them, they're gonna knock you over. But if you ride into them, feel the anxiety, feel the sadness, feel the anger, then you can ride with it, and it can be one with you. Um, the other analogy I'd like to use, I use a lot of kid analogies because I have a five-year-old, is that so often when we're feeling an emotion or we've had a really serious situation happen in our lives, whatever it may be, um, it's, it's nagging at us, but we're pushing it away, pushing it away. So, my five-year-old, right? When he wants attention, he always wants attention when I'm like either on the phone or talking to another adult. And so what do kids do? Like they tug at your pants or at your dress and they're like, hey, pay attention to me. I want to tell you something, mommy. I want to tell you something, mommy. I want to tell you something, mommy. And if I'm like, wait, what does he do? I want to tell you something, mommy. I want to tell you something, mommy. I want to tell you something, mommy. So much easier if I say, yes, Carlos, what do you want to tell me? Giving attention to the emotion because then I can turn back and get on with whatever thing I'm doing. Does that make sense? So, I'm just saying that to say, emotions are not bad. Um, but that's hard. And it's hard for everybody. It's hard for me. It's hard because we don't want to feel uncomfortable. And we don't want others to see that we're uncomfortable. It's really hard, like I said, to be vulnerable. 
So if you want to learn about vulnerability, Renee Brown is amazing, and you should watch her talk on TED, TED Talk. <laughs> so I'll go a little bit more serious now in what we want to look out for. So those are pretty common, right? Even with panic attacks. We tend to panic too when someone's having, having a panic attack. Like, oh my gosh, I have to fix, fix this, right? I want to fix it, fix it, fix it. It'll pass. But so those are pretty common signs. So more kind of less common and more serious signs that we really want to look for are a few different things. Self-interest behavior. So what is that? Cutting, burning, hitting yourself, punching, like things, not people, but things. Um, and that can be really hard when we're seeing somebody who is um, engaging in self-interest behavior. Um, because sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, they're trying to kill themselves. Not necessarily so. Self-interest behavior, A, is um, a symptom of a deeper problem that's going on or a lack of emotion. So sometimes people injure themselves because they're feeling numb and want to feel something. And so pain is something to feel. Um, and it's usually the sign of, it, of something deeper that's going on. Um, but the difference between self-injury and suicide attempts is that with self-injury, there's no intent to die. It's just someone hurting themselves. Not just, but someone hurting themselves. When someone's doing one of these things in a suicide attempt, it's with intent to die. So there's a very big difference between those two. Um, and we're gonna talk about how to talk to people about this. Um, poor personal hygiene. So if you start noticing someone hasn't showered or changed their clothes in days, that's a good morning sign. So like the ones before, I was like, oh, those are pink flags, right, of things that everybody goes to. These are the more red flag situations. Um, impaired speech or garbled thoughts. Um, any kind of homicidal statement or threat, so like wanting to kill someone, yeah. Losing contact with reality, so hallucinations or delusions. Hallucinations, seeing or hearing things that aren't there. Delusions, believing things that aren't true. Um, intense levels of anger, including violent behavior or aggressive behavior. Um, any kind of suicidal, suicidality starting, so not wanting, so wanting to take your own life. Um, inability to make decisions, feeling stuck. We all get that, but when someone's noticing that in every aspect of their life. Um, any bizarre or strange behavior, we all act bizarre sometimes, right? But any strange behavior that is disproportionate to the situation. So we're looking at the situation and we're saying, is that behavior appropriate for this situation? Um, or sometimes it can be the emotions that I just said feel, but let's say they aren't able to be managed, so they're dysregulated. Those can be signs of more serious problems. So, um, and then eating concerns that seem abnormal, right? So maybe somebody's not eating at all, and it's not just temporary. Um, or maybe somebody is eating and then going to the bathroom, any kind of eating disordered behavior. Um, that's, so these are areas in which you're going to want to remember that you are not a therapist and you don't have to fix it and you're going to want to get help. Does that make sense? And it's really important to remember um, because we want to help and we're helping people, right? We're social people, we want to help each other. But there are certain things that people are doing that you cannot solve and you shouldn't try to solve. So um, so I went, I, I did my undergrad at Notre Dame 
And so I love the movie, right? Movie Rudy. My favorite line from the movie is, there is a God and I'm not him. There are therapists on campus and you are not them. So you do not have to think that you have to solve and everything. Does that make sense? Okay. Um, and just, you know, sometimes you're noticing a couple of these things in people. The more that you notice, the more concerned that you should be and reach out for help. Um, so let's talk about how you can talk to people. I want you to remember back to what we said were helpful and unhelpful responses, right? So, unhelpful responses. Judging. Why are you doing this? Why, you're overreacting. Why are you feeling this way? Judging is never gonna be helpful for someone who's in distress. Even if you don't see their distress as a crisis, it is a crisis to them. So judgment, not a great thing to do. Criticizing or minimizing. The minimizing is the, I don't have it that bad. Let me tell you about my sister's friend who went through this horrible situation. So minimizing. Um, not gonna wanna do that. So what can you do? What's gonna be helpful? First thing, and this is one of the most important things that I can say, don't talk to somebody about things that you're noticing in front of other people. Because that's a really vulnerable thing um, that you're going to be talking with them about and trying to help them. And if you're doing it at the hot spot, other people may hear. And that can, just not a great thing to do, right? So ask to talk to somebody in private and say, I'm concerned about you. It can be really simple. Sometimes I think we need to reinvent the wheel of how to do this, but it can be really simple to just express concern and to say, I'm here, right? People said that those are helpful responses. I'm concerned about you. I've noticed some things and I want to see how you are. How are you doing? What's going on with you? <coughs> Super simple. Um, maybe somebody says, so this happens, right? I don't want to talk about it. Okay, I can respect that, no, I'm here. We're gonna say that if we're noticing some of the pinker flags, right? If there's some kind of crisis going on, especially if there's danger to self or others, that response isn't gonna be okay, right? If somebody's saying they're going to harm themselves or someone else, then no. They don't have to tell you, but you need to tell someone whether that be calling us in counseling services, talking to a RA, whoever that may be. So, um, but if somebody's sharing, you know, my, um, I'm really, really sad because my aunt, who I was really close to, um, just found out she's diagnosed with cancer and I'm really sad and I don't know what to tell her and I just can't believe this is happening. So, just be there, just listen, just listen. Don't think you have to have the perfect response because maybe there isn't the perfect response in that situation, right? Sometimes people like to hear, I'm so sorry that's happening to you, but sometimes people don't like to hear that. So just say, the best thing to say, thank you so much for telling me. Thank you so much for trusting me and for letting me be here with you. I know that if I'm going through something, that's like the money answer someone could tell me. Right? Thank you so much. I'm here for you. I'm here to listen. I really appreciate you sharing this with me. Um, if you want to get engaged in a conversation, the best thing to do is what we counsel to we paraphrase. So what I hear you saying is that you feel like you don't know what to say to your aunt about this. Yeah, exactly. Or sometimes you say, well, I hear you saying is that you're really scared that, I can't think of it, something 
the situation that I'm, you're scared of something. No, that's not at all what I was thinking, right? Have you ever had somebody reflect something back to you and you're like, no, no, totally missed it, not what I said. So, yeah, so reflecting back, that way you can clarify. And then if it's above your comfort in helping, referring to people who can. I worked in community mental health for several years um, here in Flagstaff. Um, and I, at, at one point, was like, this, I don't want to do this because there weren't enough resources for so many people that I was trying to help. And that is why I came back to work in higher education because this is a, such a great time to utilize all the resources that you have on campus. Dean of Students Office, Housing and Residence Life, here at the Newman Center, um, Student Support Services, Counseling Services, you know, Medical Services. I mean, we get massages here on campus. Like, where else like, can you get that? You have to pay a lot more money than you graduate. Um, so yeah, Academic Services, struggling in a class, don't get tutoring. There's so many resources that are on, on a college campus. Use them. Figure out what they are and use them because they're just so beneficial to so many people and it can take some pressure off of you. Um, the other thing I will say about helping someone is empowering people to make decisions for themselves. Right? You can't, like we talked about earlier, what's going to work for you isn't going to work for someone else necessarily. So encourage people to make decisions for themselves, but then support them. We have so many people who get walked over to counseling services by a friend or an RA and, or an advisor, and that's really helpful, right? You don't have to fix it. You can connect to the resource and just be there with somebody. Um, what was I going to say? Other thoughts? What are your thoughts on things that you found helpful?
talk through how to handle a situation like that. So that way you don't feel like you have to be the professional taking the pressure off of you. All right, so now I want to talk about boundaries. Because we are helpful, caring people, we want to be there for people at all times. But like I said a little bit ago, you all have stuff going on in your lives. You all have classes to go to. You all have, you know, um, family. You have maybe other friends. You have a lot going on in your life. Maybe you have a job. Maybe you have two jobs. Um, there's a lot going on. You do not have to be, again, there's a God, you're not him. You don't have to be there for everyone at every moment. And that can be really, really difficult if someone is really relying on you. Or one thing that can really feel like a lot of pressure is, you're the only one I've told about this. You're the only one I've told about this, and I don't know who else to get help from, so I need you to do this. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. And so again, I want to take pressure off. You have to have your own boundaries, right? Because you can't, it's not going to be helpful for that person to, for them to be dependent on you. And it's not going to be helpful for you to start going into their world of emotions. So when I think about boundaries, it's two main boundaries I think about are physical boundaries. So if you literally can't stay with somebody, like maybe, um, I will only go to the hotspot if you come with me, and that's the only way I will eat. Not, not good, right? Drawing a physical boundary and saying, you know, and you can be nice about it, right? I, I understand that, but I really, I have my own stuff going on right now, and so I can't, do, I can't do that today. So, but I really hope that you'll make the decision to eat, whatever that may be. I really hope you'll make the decision to go to class. Well, I'm only going to go to class if you walk me there. Well, I can't do that right now because my class is on South Campus and you're going to class in the HLC. So um, I'm really sorry, but I really hope you go to class anyway. People have to make decisions for themselves, right? And that can be hard when someone's in distress, but you can't do everything for everyone in those times. And then emotional boundaries. Not taking on someone else's emotions as your own. And that can be really difficult, especially, especially if you have a situation in which you relate, you can relate. I also say too, if someone is talking to you about something that's going to trigger some event that has happened to you, it is okay to say, I really want to be here for you, but in this situation, it's going to affect me and I have to be careful with my own mental health. It's totally okay to say. You don't like to say it and you feel awkward and feel uncomfortable, but it's not a bad thing, right? I'm not saying good and bad, right? Maybe good, but not bad, just uncomfortable. So making sure that you draw your own boundaries. And you can't draw your own boundaries unless you know what your boundaries are, right? So what are you willing to do? And what do you, when do you know you need to take a step back? So best thing you can do, do a little bit of work for yourself and figure out who you are, right? What your values are, what you can do, how you want to be as a friend, what you can't do, when you need to say no, it's all okay. No is a complete sentence. So, <laughs> you can't say no. Maybe <laughs> it's true. That's cool. If you want to make it long, you can say no, thank you. Um, uh, know yourself, know what your boundaries are. 
and then try to stick to them. And that's hard, and it's a work in progress, right? Um, I am guilty of it too, because I'm like, okay, I'm not taking care of my clients, I'm not gonna do it, and then I'm like, oh, okay, I'll do it more. So it's like, you have to continually work on it, and just knowing what you can handle and what you can't. Because, can you help someone else if you're struggling? You're actually doing that, if you're really struggling, you're doing someone else a disservice. And so what you're aiming to do, which is helping, is what you end up not doing, right? Because you're going through your own stuff. And that's totally okay. We all go through stuff at different times in our life. Um, so I wanna talk a little bit. Oh, and then another thing I like to say is, when talking to someone, a couple just little tidbits, stay calm. If somebody divulges something really deep to you, maybe it's a sexual assault, maybe somebody's feeling suicidal, maybe somebody's experiencing panic attacks, our inclination is to be like, oh my God, I have to figure this out, what am I gonna do, what am I gonna say? Stay calm, you don't have to do everything or say anything. So stay calm when somebody's in distress and, and is um, revealing information to you is really important. And then following up, I think somebody back here said, following up is so important because Again, someone's been vulnerable and shared all this stuff with you. And so to say, how are you doing today? I know when I've gone through difficult times in my life, it's never like one day, right? Usually lasts a little bit longer. So following up next day in a couple days can be really important. And just show someone that you weren't just giving lip service when you said I wanted to help. You were actually like care about that person and want to make sure they're still doing okay. And even saying, did you have this counseling? Did you make it over to counseling? Or did you go over to student support services or wherever they might have gone? So I'll talk a little bit about self-care now. I love self-care um, because, like I said, you can't take care of anyone else if you're not taking care of yourself. So this goes back to knowing yourself and what works for you. And again, what works for you is not going to work for you, not going to work for me. So. Um, one thing, I went to a talk um, of a faculty member on campus who like works in like spreadsheets all day, but on, as a, her hobby, she figures out how to help others with self-care. It's just phenomenal. And so one thing that she um, charged us to do in this talk, which I've done, is make a little self-care wheel. Because sometimes when we're thinking like, I need to take care of myself, you're like, okay, what does that mean? Right, um, taking a bubble bath, like, not necessarily going to work for everybody. Like, do I go for a walk? What do I like? And so I spent time, I did her homework, and I spent time and said, what is going to work for me in terms of self-care? And so when I'm going through difficult times, and I sometimes my job can be very stressful, and so when I'm having, like, a difficult day, like, I, like, pull this out and get this in my office, and I'm like, hmm, what can I do? Like, one of them is delegate. <laughs> Don't have to do it all myself. Um, drink water. Sometimes I get really, really busy during, I, right? And it's like so simple, but how many times do we forget to drink water? I've started keeping like peanut butter sandwiches in my office because I'll forget to eat. Um, so I'm like, this morning I like went in and I was like, I have to breakfast. I was like, I have a peanut butter sandwich. It's great. Um, so whatever it may be for you, um, my mode of self-care, um, when I go home, the first thing I do, I'm like, hi dog, hi child, hi husband. And then I'm like, watch The Price is Right. <laughs> so, every day, I watch The Price is Right and what's make a deal. So,
So, because it's mindless, and I don't have to think about anything, and people are happy on those shows. So, <laughs> like, come on down. I, I, I will tell you, I was on The Price is Right when I was 19. Um, <laughs> and I won a washer dryer and a chandelier and a clock. So I came to fame, and my husband and I went to Let's Make a Deal for our seventh wedding anniversary. And I cannot confirm or deny if anything happened while we were there, but if you tune in on February 12th, Oh. <laughs> um, so game shows, that, that is my self-care because it's mindless and I love it. So figure out what is going to work for you. If it's watching two episodes of, I don't know, I'm not into The Crown right now, so like watching two episodes of The Crown, if it's going for a walk, if it's going to the HLC and running on a treadmill for a little bit, if it's coming here and praying, whatever it's going to look like for you, if it's eating your favorite food, going and getting a coffee, whatever that's going to look like in terms of what else I do. Oh, practicing gratitude, right? We get so wrapped up in all of our problems that we sometimes get blinded to all the good things that are going on. So, and um, there's so much research out there about practicing gratitude and how that can um, help with mental health. So, yeah. Aromatherapy, right? Using your senses. So, especially if you're someone who's prone to anxiety, using grounding techniques to kind of calm that anxiety. So, what do grounding techniques mean? Breathing, and then using our senses. So, um, things you see, hear, taste, smell, touch. And that can be really helpful. And it can help someone come out of a panic attack, too. So, using senses. Um, yeah, so self care. Self care is not selfish. Self-care is necessary. You can't pour from an empty cup, right? You have to water your own plant. So, self-care. Figure out what works for you and do it. I actually brought some of these little papers so if you want to make your own self-care wheel that you like carrying around with you and think, I don't know what should I do. Oh, I'm going to eat a spinach salad. <laughs>
So um, you can just come in, and sometimes it's hard for people to say, I'm in crisis. So what I tell people to say is, I have an urgent need and need to be seen today, right? Because some people say, oh, I'm not really in crisis. I'm not suicidal. Well, maybe something really significant has happened to you, and you just need to talk to somebody. Totally fine. So we keep blocks of time for that. So eight to five, walk in, I have an urgent need, or you can call to schedule something. Um, we also offer groups, um, and our groups are free right now because of our waiting list. We're winding down for this semester, but in the spring, we're gonna be offering all kinds of groups. So we have um, anxiety workshops that we do. We have understanding self and others, which is more kind of just a general group. We offer healthy relationships groups. Um, we're gonna be doing coping skills groups. So maybe you're like, oh, skills sound great. I have no idea what my coping skills are. Join group and figure it out. The best thing about group too is if you're with your peers, so it helps fight that loneliness because sometimes we think we're the only one going through something. Um, and then again, you can always call. You can always call and um, ask to consult. So, um, you know, I get calls from students who say, you know, I don't know if I need to come in, but this is what's going on. And then I'll talk to them a little bit and say, why don't you come in? Never a bad idea to just come in. We're located on the first floor of the HLC. We're with medical services. So if you're feeling like, I don't want people to see me going to counseling, although I think stigma really is going down. But if you're feeling a little apprehensive about that, you could be going for pink eye. You could be going for stroke throat. You're going to the same place, right? The other thing I tell people is that um, the charge gets billed to your Louis account, but it only goes on as a campus health charge. So if your parents have access to your Louis account and you don't want them to know that you're going to counseling, you're just gonna see campus health. So you could be going for pink eye, you could be going for stroke throat, you could be going for whatever, a massage. Um, and that's all that it's gonna show, campus health. So, um, yeah, we, um, most sessions are about $25 a session. First session is always free. Um, if it's a crisis visit, it's $10. Um, and like I said, groups are free. If you have Louis Care or Aetna, I believe it's $10 a session instead of the 25. So it doesn't matter if you have insurance or don't, because people say to you, accept my insurance. If you pay the student health fee, the campus health fee, it's gonna be no more than $25. In the summer, I think it's $50, so. Um, yeah. What questions do you have? That's all I have for you. Yeah. What's the phone number that we should be calling? So it's 523-2261. And if you want to consult with me, like if you're like, oh, Maria was really cool at noon and night, and I really want to talk to her, and she, like, I feel like I can tell her about what's going on, you can call me directly. I give my direct number to everyone, which is 523-3609. Yeah, absolutely. Other questions? About anything? Yeah? Oh, Google numbers? Yeah, 523-2261 and 523-3609. 3609 is D. And you can share that with anyone. I don't keep my number of secret. Sometimes if you want to consult with me and like the front desk will ask a whole bunch of questions and it gets really confusing, so that's why I'm like, just call me directly. Other questions, yeah? You said that um, 
the coping mechanisms that you have work for you, but they absolutely don't work for your husband. Mm -hmm. um, what, if you don't mind sharing, sure. um, what are some coping mechanisms that work for your husband? Watch the news. <laughs> <laughs> I do not watch the news. <laughs> <laughs> he loves So he watches the news, he plays with our, our dog a lot, um, he likes to go run, um, I hate running, don't ever ask me what, I'm not going to do it, um, let's see, what else does he do, he listens to music, well, I do too, that's probably, but we have polar opposite music tastes, so I will not listen to, I get mad when the stations are on when I get in the car, um, so we listen to, he listens to music, um, <laughs> but those are the things that I can think of. The news is like his big thing. He's like, loves it. He's informed. Other questions? We actually do watch game shows together. That's one thing that we do together. life to the full, that your joy would be in us and our joy complete. Lord, we thank you for the gift of our life, even though it might be really hard sometimes, and yet you know that, and yet you're also with us, inviting us to turn to you, inviting us to reach out to others whom you've given us to walk with us. Lord, give us the openness and humility to receive your love and care for us and to seek what is good for ourselves, which will then strengthen us to love the people around us. Lord, in a particular way, we lift up all those students on the campus tonight that are feeling really overwhelmed with their distress, who don't know what to do, don't know that they can turn to you, and yet somehow you're also with them. We pray that your hand would reach them to comfort them and that they might know your love and peace. Mary, you who are the queen of peace, intercede for us. Watch over this and intercede for this entire campus as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and in the hour of our 